Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the show. Vassos is here. Aloha. And Rachel's here. Greetings. And David Baddiel is going to be here in a bit. Tell us about David, Rachel. Well, you might think David is a stand-up comedian. No, put that to one side. Put TV presenting to the bottom of his CV because officially David Baddiel, as far as we're concerned, is a children's author because he's written not one, not two, but ten children's books and he's here to talk to us yeah, about his Yeah, he's now selling one. his books in the millions. I mean, he doesn't sell them personally. No, but stand Today, outside. what I want to ask him about, as well as this new book, which is three books in one, I read the first the first story, which I loved, starring Alfie, and he's mad, this mad sort of secret child, grandma childminder who has all these spe- magic spells. I like Brilliant. He doesn't want a, a granny childminder with magic spells. No, Amazing. I, I'd like one. So, so I, I read that, but I want to ask him today for the first time about Newman and Badil. Do you remember Newman and Badil? Mm. Yeah. Massive. I mean, a lot of the people who work on the show won't even know, but Rob Newman and David Baddiel, they were the first comedy act in the world to play an arena. In the world. Wow. This is way ahead of uh, Dave Chappelle and Seinfeld and Peter Kay. They were the first people to do it, and I remember them doing it, saying they were going to do it, and we thought, well, that's not going to work. Little did we know. There's another one to add to the list. Yeah, I remember, do you remember when the internet came out? I was like, no, this is this is yeah, you work. do. Yeah. Bricks and Flash in the pan. Yeah, it's not work. <laughs> so May Muller wasn't very happy at coming next to last at Eurovision, but she was a bit happier than the Germans who came twenty sixth. Look how they, they don't look happy at all, do they? And the thing is, because they're not happy in bright red latex, yeah. shiny latex, it makes their non-happiness look even yeah. more unhappy. Because they're wearing these, these full-on Eurovision <laughs> fun outfits, which was part of their act, of course. And they look great, by the way, but it's not a good, unhappy look, mm. that, is it? <laughs> I don't think so. Like Less. toddlers that pass the parcel. They're saying that the real star of Eurovision, well, I think they were, well, I think it was fantastic. It was the most watched Eurovision of all time. And I think that, I thought the, the whole production, the BBC's production was amazing. Liverpool, what a host city. Clearly, it was a week-long party. It's probably still going on. Graham Norton's show on Sunday right here on Virgin Radio was amazing. Listen again to that because he had all the Eurovision juice. But Hannah Waddingham and Sam Ryder. Sam Ryder's on this show playing live for us on Friday, a couple of mornings time. I can't wait. Can't believe it, actually. And Hannah Waddingham, along with the rest of the hosts, our own Graham Norton and everybody else, she, she, everybody's claiming that they now discovered Hannah Waddingham first. Clemmy's claiming it in the sun. A lady called Polly in the time saying, I saw her first. She's mine. She's mine. She's, she's just, she's touching, she's knocking on the door of 50, Hannah Waddingham. And she, we know she's a great actress. She's an amazing singer. She's brilliant on the telly. She's great in film. She's great on the, the dramatic stage in theatre. And now she can just yock, uh, rock a, a, a a worldwide television live broadcast. What can't she do, this lady? It's amazing, isn't she? It's incredible. Yeah, to- totally incredible. Has she been on Taskmaster? No. Because she she's qualified, isn't she? Uh, she? Well, she could do a special. She's not a comedian. She's quite funny. She's quite funny, but she's a comedy actor. Oh. Got to be a comedian. Really? Got to yeah. be. Mostly. Richard, they always say Richard Osmond is the only uh, contestant who wasn't officially a comedian. So you don't, then? <laughs> 
Well, he's the exception, proves the rule. Okay, well, she could be the second exception that reproves the rule in case people didn't see the first exception. I'll have a word. Farewell, my little Leicester Vipers. So, Sybil is no longer going to be in Faulty Towers. John Cleese is rewriting it, and he apparently hasn't, he doesn't, but Basil has a love child with a guest. And is that his actual, his real daughter in real life is playing that character? Um, What else is going down? Um, So this Elon Musk, this story about Elon Musk. Elon Musk ended up on Monday, I don't think he knew it, but he was in the Elysee Palace with President Macron talking about Le Tesla Magnifique. But I'm not sure he knew where he was because on Saturday, there's a picture of him at a rave in Los Angeles. On Sunday, he's in a nightclub in Mexico... There you go. Wow. And a, a few hours later, he's in Paris, in France, talking to... Maybe he does Michael. that thing. You yeah. know, like John McEnroe comes over and he just stays on New York time. Well, if, he, if you're ever having a rave like yeah. overnight uh-huh. and then a party overnight... So if you come to Paris, it feels like the he's night... He's on a roll. He's, yeah, he's absolutely... He's, he's this, the next thing. Well, this is all since, you know, he's clearly... Because he announced the new CEO of Twitter, didn't he, at the weekend? Um, this lady called Miss, Miss Yakarina, and so she's now in charge, and he's doing the Macarena while Yakarina's <laughs> boss in the office. I mean, that's what he's done. He's done. Thank goodness. That's, thank goodness we've got some. Thank. Can I have a couple of days off now? <laughs> right, I'm going to go for it. You know, he's got a plane. Yeah. You know, for, he's, we are lucky to grab a cab now again. He's got his own plane. So he's like, it's literally where to next? Where to next, Mr. Musk? Paris. Manuel's right. Give him Manuel a call. And James, Manuel. James, <laughs> yeah. towers again. James Coburn is back in town and he's back outside his favourite boozer in Premier Hill. I've been to that boozer with James. Um, it is our favourite pub in Primrose Hill and he's back there on Saturday like nothing happened after eight years of smashing on telly in the States. I love it! I love people doing well. I'm really pleased for you all. If you're doing well, uh, congratulations. So the email thing. So here, here you go. So th- when you check in your emails and your texts and all this kind of... You know, I don't want to patronise you, but somebody told me something. This very clever neuro- neurologist told me this um, at the weekend. The thing is, when you when you're put on alert when you put yourself on red alert or you you receive a text or an email and it's the heading is like oh it's off this person oh it's to do with that and you go and it's usually it's almost always all right anyway you know but just clicking on your emails you know if if you're thinking oh what's the bank statement going to say oh it's that time of the month for this oh i wonder how so and so is is that sorted out yet you do and all those thoughts can be in you just clicking on your email all right now, the thing about that is, what happened? That is part of your fight or flight. It just is. It's part of your amygdala. It's part of your lizard brain, your reptile brain. You're thinking, I'm going to be eating brain. That's what happens there because it's a threat, right? And so what? So in the first second of that happening, adrenaline or epinephrine or neuroepinephrine, as they call it in the States, is created in your bloodstream. And, and that's, that's, what you, that's the, super, the super energy that makes you be able to lift a car. You know, when a mm. child... Yeah. You know, you hear all these stories, this superhuman strength, because that's a real thing. That happens within a second, right? So that all happens... That rush happens in a second. That's, that's when you feel, like, a bit sick or a bit energised or a bit... <gasps> one of those. The next five seconds, you get cortisol, because cortisol lasts a bit longer. So the second gets you up the tree... And the five seconds of cortisol gets you another 30 seconds. And then after that, you get different chemicals because your body's really clever because it's thinking, you think, oh, hang on, I'm now being chased by the lion for two minutes. All right, you need, two, you need the most optimal 
fuel supply I can give you for the two minutes. And then you sort of going, oh, what, we gonna, what, we got, what else we got in the tank? Give me 30 minutes of this, that kind of stuff, right? So when you look at an email or a text, that all that happens anyway, and you think, well, I'll just, I'll just bunch them together. I'll just cluster them. Well, that's a very good idea because it's not about what happens when you look at them, but it takes you 20 minutes to come down from that every time it happens. So say you get three or four texts in a day or three or four emails in a day. You think, well, I've only got four emails today, so I can check them when they... I'm only expecting four emails a day. I'm a four email a day kind of person. I'll get one in the morning. I'll get one at lunchtime. I'll get one in the afternoon. And I'll just check one on the way home before I get home. The thing there is, though, you've got 80 minutes of this, this chemical, this biochemical come down. If you check 30 emails at once, you still only get the 20-minute come down, the 120-minute come down. That's why if you check your emails and your texts all day, your life is a nightmare, but you don't know why, because you're filling it up with this chemical process every time you do that. Therefore, if you cluster them, if you bunch them together, if you bundle them together, it's much better for your well-being, for your actual health, your mental health, your physical health, your general health. It is miles better. And if you do it at nine o'clock in the morning, if you have a normal working day, nine o'clock in the morning and five o'clock in the afternoon, that gives you the biggest window within your day to have two of those come downs. So there's, and it sounds... S silly you think really no it's it will change your life if you haven't seen that performance by Lorene from Sweden who won Eurovision her second win just watch it I mean she just owned everything um so it was her night it was definitely Sam Ryder's night and it was definitely Hannah Waddingham's night and there's more there's more people claiming Hannah Waddingham now so Pete in Stokes says I first saw Hannah Waddingham in the TV series Benidorm in 2013 she was brilliant in that I didn't know she was in that even because I've never seen it um, but lots of people claiming that they saw her first. You want to have a word with David Baddiel about similar, because David Baddiel's on the show in a bit. So David Baddiel is coming on the show later today, and he was in something back in the early 90s called the Mary Whitehouse Experience with Rob Newman and Steve Punt and Hugh Dennis. And that, I came to the Mary Whitehouse Experience and was a big fan when it was on the telly. I think it was on Weekly on BBC Two. But it originally was on the radio and you could not talk to people about the Mary Whitehouse experience without them saying, oh, no, no. What, did you come to it when it was on the telly? No, 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 I was the, I was the OG. I was, but when it was on radio, I used to like it. So very similar with Hannah Waddingham. Who was first to the party. Yeah. So I don't mind if I'm last to the party, yeah. do you? Because if you're last to the party, you're only the current last. Yeah, you're just the next to the party, aren't yeah. you? I was I was four years late to Breaking Bad, but it doesn't matter. They used to have this thing where they <laughs> where they would have two history professors discussing history, but then they disagree, and then they just start insulting each other, and so it looked like a a, a, a crusty, dusty history program. And then they go, "You see that? Um, you see that bit of bogey <laughs> on the end of your finger, and then you wipe it on the floor." That's you, that is. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> See, a lot of people now, especially the kids that work on the show who are 22, 23, even like, you know, 30, 31. I'd forgotten about that's you, that is. They will never realise that David Baddiel used to be in a sketch show, yeah. used to play characters and was really good at it because he just doesn't do anything like that anymore. So, so then he sort of transitioned to fantasy football and, and now he's an author... 
And he makes films still, and he makes fantastic documentaries, but that's what he used to do with Rob Newman. To great aplomb, they used to win all the awards. They played arenas, they played Wembley Arena. It's amazing. Stephen Southsea says, a super tip from our super listeners. Are you ready? Here we go. It's that kind of cheese. I think Tuesday should be like this. It should be check-in Tuesday, super tips Tuesday, life hack Tuesday. Hi, Chris and the team. Did you know you can cancel free trials as soon as you sign up for them and you still get the trial? I didn't know that. If I try something, I sign up and cancel it at the same time. If I fancy sticking with it, I get plenty of emails reminding me my trial has nearly ended. So if you sign up for it, there's a very famous one-month trial, isn't there? You know the one I'm talking about? I think so. Yeah. It begins with yeah. year and ends in YouTube. Okay. And there's another one that starts with spurt and ends in Otify. Okay. You know that one? Yes, I'm aware. Uh, the Sherlock Holmes is out there. Well, you may be cottoning yeah. on to what I'm, I'm saying. But uh, no, apparently, this is, Steve says you, you sign up for the month trial and you immediately cancel it you still get the month's trial that's that a good very that's clever, a Steve. that's martin lewis would be proud of that one he would be. wouldn't he steve says i switched the only to only opening my emails four times a day a few years ago and it changed my life i didn't know about the fight flight freeze impact it just meant i wasn't interrupted every time i got notified an email arrived and felt compelled to look at it well it Steve, thank you for that. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you cut your email checking down to four times a day and you probably felt really good about that and you should pat yourself on the back about that, but just cut it down to two. What difference does it make between four and two? You know, up to four, not much. You know, you're still going to be pretty informed if you're half that time, but how, how much is it going to help your well-being? A thousand X, thousand times. Um, Vassos, you have a little useful note on I this. I just want to accessorise it by, and, and uh, to help you do it actually, just turn all all of your notifications off. They used to be called alerts but they changed the name to notifications because it sounds less alerty. Um, but if you turn them all off, WhatsApp, text, email, perhaps leave your phone ringer on but how often do people phone mm. you? And then you're not drawn into your phone to go and check them every time something arrives. Right, and just the last one on this uh, for now. If anybody's got anything useful to add, please do. 8722 start your text with the Virgin. You know, Steve there talking about opening his emails four times a day. And before that, it was more. And he didn't realise that it's about the 20-minute come down of checking something that is potentially threatening, even though most things aren't. Just If they are potentially threatening, they have the effect, the same effect as if they were, as far as your biochemistry is concerned. If you get used to this um this feeling what happened here's the really weird thing here's what happens because you are now spending most of your day discombobulated because you're in your fight or flight post adrenaline post epinephrine post cortisol state that you're not aware of after 20 minutes that all calms down and you feel a sense of calm but because it's no longer your usual modus operandi, you feel discomfort in the calm. So actually you start to check things again. It's really strange. It works the other way. It's a negative spiral. So don't do it. Don't do it. If you don't, I mean, do, do what you want. I'm just saying it's helpful. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. He 
He's a comedian, a presenter and an absolutely prolific author. His 10th kids' book, Only Children, Three Hilarious Short Stories, is out now. So stand by, everyone, and get ready to befeel the bazeal of David Badil. Nice, Bassos. Yeah, brilliant. Befeel the bazeal. Yeah. It's a Tuesday. <laughs> well, yeah, bazeal. What does Seriously, that mean? I don't take bazeal. it. Yeah. Bazeal, bazeal. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, David, feel my bazeal. You and I exchanged my first ever cycle to pavement high five the other day. Did we actually touch? No, we didn't. We missed. But it was basically a high five. It was very exciting. We went for it, didn't I we? I was actually coming out of a rival radio organisation and you said, uh, hello, and I said, and I said, I'm coming to see you. Yeah, uh, that was it. Almost apologetically, like, I'm coming to see you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry. I'll be with you soon. You were on a Brompton. I was on a Brompton. Yeah, yeah. And you look good. And Thank you. Then, Thank and, you yeah, and it was very, very brief. It was brief, but, but I it, enjoyed it. No, no, it was a connection. And I thought I thought about it, you know, after we passed it, oh, should I have stopped? You know that one of those ones? Yeah. Should I have stopped? Yeah, but you know what? Did I he think I was being dismissive? Do I really care? No, I don't care. You don't then care. I moved on. Yeah. No, no, I think when you see someone you know, right, in the yeah. street, yes. and they just sort of go, but you've had a connection, often that's very satisfying. I liked Cause, it. Because you think, like, it would have been a bit of a pain, wouldn't it, to sort of stop? I was and thinking. Talk. I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I was thinking because we know each other so well. That's okay. We're fine. We can do that no, with well, each that, other. That's true. It was also raining. It was also raining, and David and I, we started our we off go back air a long friendship way. in a sauna. Oh. Yeah, we used to sauna regularly together. At the place in Belsize Park? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we were together, but we weren't together. So, you know, either you'd be in there and I'd join, or I'd be in there and you join, but obviously we didn't go to the gym together, but we used to see each other together, and it always it always went OK, I thought. It was always lovely. It was a nice Did exchange. Did I ever tell you, you were, the story how... Very uh, complimentary to me. I ever tell you, I, I was once, uh, before my first child was born, uh, my wife, Mormona Banks, suggested a name for it, which I thought was too out there. Dolly, this is. Well, she's, her name is Dolly. Uh, but she said, why don't we call this child Blue? Right, And I thought, that's too much. That's too showbiz. It's too Apple or whatever. But I, I, I don't know how to tell her that because I don't like contradicting my wife. And then I was in the sauna in there and a boy band came in, like four incredible looking men making me feel like in fear or whatever. And they hadn't hit the world yet. And I said, oh, what are you? Are you a boy band? I said, yeah, we're a boy band. What are you called? And they were Blue. That's who they were. So I was able to say to my wife, we can't call her Blue. So thank heaven for Blue. Yeah, it's like calling her Boy Zone. We can't do this. Yeah, don't yeah. do that, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we're still here. We're still chatting. And now we're chatting about your book, Only Children, Three Hilarious Short Stories. I read the first one about Alfie and the mysterious older child um, carer. Um, uh, Mrs Stokes. Childminder, Mrs Stokes. Yeah, yeah, babysitter. I call her a babysitter. Magical powers. older child carer. Is Ma- that a new word? But I think childminder. I, th- I don't know. Yeah, um, I call her a babysitter. Yeah, no, well, I think she, to me, I'll tell you why I said that, because to me, she's more than a babysitter. She has yeah, magical powers. She's magical. She's magical. She's very much based on my babysitter when I was a kid. who was called Mrs Stokes, who seemed 170 years old. Right. And whenever she came round and my dad left the house, yes. he would always say, be good, or Mrs Stokes will put the boot in. And that was always quite funny because she nice. could hardly walk. Uh, <laughs> so that was good. Was your dad a funny man? My dad was a really funny man. Really? I mean, that was his saving grace because he was quite an angry man. He was quite, you know, he was of that generation that wasn't loving towards their kids, really. Uh, but he was really funny. 
Okay. Uh, and sort of loving in a, in a sort of mainly slagging me off kind of way. Yeah, and yeah. Alfie's dad, um, obviously Alfie's dad's remarried because Alfie's dad, Alfie's mum passed away. Yeah. So he has a stepmom. That's right. Uh, and there's a regime and there's rituals in place. Yeah. And I think, where's this going? And yeah. I thought evil stepmom straight away, but it's no, not the case no. at all. It's gorgeous. I, I don't tend to have villains, actually, obvious no villains. villains in my books. Too many villains yeah. in the world. I don't do that. I don't, I get a bit, I'm a bit frightened by villains. Yes. And someone once told me that their child likes my books because they don't tend to have, like, really creepy villains in them right. so they don't get frightened okay yeah but i did bad things happen like people overcome them but not yeah. necessarily throughout so no 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 i don't evil stepmother so, no, so no. book one i've done i've done story one in the yeah. book so yeah. we have three stories for the price of one book story two was originally written for virgin trade so i should say two of these stories i did write before they came out in different forms i see number one the one you've just read the boy who could do what he liked yes and um, by the in way the end. yeah i should say that what she says mrs stokes continually is i'll just do, do what, what you, you like. like and he said all right i'll do what i like and then suddenly he can really do what he likes and that's the premise of that story yeah. I wrote that for World Book Day uh, as a short story about t- 10 years ago second one which is the girl who'd never been on a train I wrote actually and I can say this on here for Virgin Trains uh, a thing that they had where you would have an iPad given to you in I think first class and it would have a kid's story on it not available anywhere else yeah. and that's about a disabled girl who loves trains but finds it a bit difficult to get on trains she gets on one eventually and then it magically transforms into an old style steam train and that's her dream come true except then it's going to crash and she has to save the day not going to tell you what happens uh and the third one <laughs> which i've written very recently yes and which i really enjoy writing is uh about basically when i used to go on holiday right i used to go on holiday every year to swansea every year without fail never went anywhere Where? swansea swansea okay yeah uh, now, I should apologise to anyone listening from Swansea because I've made that in this story into snoring on sea. And that's because the story is set in 1978. And I promise you, now I've been to Swansea, it's brilliant. But in 1978, going there every year without fail and my parents never going anywhere apart from basically our B&B and Martin and Norma's caravan. That's the only places that we went. Right. It was snoring on sea. Why did they go to Swansea every year? Because my dad's from Swansea and that's right. where his parents were. Oh, I see. Uh, and we went and saw his parents and then... Their mates, Martin and Norma, in their caravan in the Mumbles. That was it. I didn't even know then, because I went back later, that if you go to, say, Three Cliffs Bay in the Gower Peninsula, it's beautiful. It's it amazing. Yeah, we didn't go there because my parents couldn't be bothered. No, the Gower's like, they say they say that God practised, you know, everywhere yeah, else for six days, then he made the Gower. Yeah, I promise you, it's beautiful. Not, not so beautiful in Swansea in 1978. Okay. But they go to Snoring on Sea, and then the, these three kids who are really bored meet a kind of sprite on an island, like on a rock outcrop in the sea. Okay. And they bring him back to their world, and he thinks their world is magical and amazing. He says, look at this caravan. It's like a chariot on wheels. Grass is always greener. Grass is always greener, yeah. And he loves the fact that they have fried food every day. (laughs) He loves the fact they've got a cracked window in their bedroom because he can see a dinosaur in it. And he tells them that their life is, in fact, magical. And that's what I wanted when I was a kid, because that didn't happen to me. The third story is... I mean, Mary's favourite story is the third story. Yeah. OK, but what did she think of the rest of the book? <laughs> OK, here we go. Here we go. Uh, I'm always waiting for this review. An eight-year-old's <laughs> profound review. Um, here we go. This is Mary's review of David's brand-new book, Only Children, Three Hilarious Short Stories by David Deal, million-copy best-selling author. It's a great book because you think there are just going to be short stories and not much will happen. Like, you think Chrissy's just going to get on a train and that is the most exciting part. But then the train goes back in time. My favourite story is the child who had never been on holiday because it's really funny. Like with wallpaper that looks like poo. (laughs) 
all leads back to poo. She did actually. She did actually say, and it also makes you think. But we thought we'd cut the review at poo. Okay. Fair yeah, when you okay, say we, yeah. when you say we, Jane, Aussie Jane. Now that is funny. But actually, the wallpaper that looks like poo—that's part of it. Uh, in that, when Ariel. Uh, which is a reference to The Tempest by Shakespeare. Nice. When Ariel appears in their grandparents' house, the one thing he doesn't make magical is that smear. That looks like poo. <laughs> that's the one thing he doesn't say, oh, that's nice. Uh, so there you go. It's good it's that she picked up on that. It's the exception that poo's the rule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, David... Thank you, Mary, by the way. Uh, is Mary ever grown older? Because I've come, been coming here for, it feels like, about a decade, and she's been doing reviews, and she always seems the same age. What she does is she puts on her review voice. Right. Because yeah. like, if you hear her she's speaking out 27. Yeah, it's all right, David. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry yeah. about the gunners at the moment. That all went a bit poo-shaped, didn't it? Now, I love... I mean, you love her, obviously, but I love her because she's really been almost 100% positive about my books over What do you mean, years? almost? I know, I think totally. Yeah, she's been to- she totally. Loves, she really genuinely loves yeah. it. I just By put the way, it she's in. only eight, and she she read the whole of your book before any of us had read it. I mean, her mum went to Oxford studying literature. Yeah. So that's just, I mean, that's obviously... Well, that, <laughs> it might, that might be where she gets it. <laughs> OK. Can your wife review my book as well? Because, you know... Oh, Can I David. just say something about, yes, about it as well? Sir. So it's called Only Children, Three Hilarious Short Stories. Uh-huh. I didn't know it was called that. Like, right. I wrote a book called Only Children, three... It was just three short stories. When I got the cover back, basically HarperCollins had written three hilarious short well, stories. They have to. No, but I thought, oh, they've got a quote. Yeah, but but they... that's the title. They decided that was the title oh, no, of the book. Oh, no, that's fine, though. Why is not? That... Well, because I kind of think, is it for us to say that? Yeah, Shouldn't... but the... you're not saying it. They're saying it. They're saying it. They pay you. Yeah, no, that's true. And that's OK. That's how it works. OK. It's fine. OK. Don't well, sweat it. I, I think Mary has now said it's true. But also, you know, when you see your name and another child, children's book and you've sold so that now, you're in the millions of sales, so congratulations. Thank you. When it says only children, three hilarious short stories, you go, yeah, probably. Probably is, yeah. Why not? <laughs> I, I didn't question it, did you? Yeah, yeah, only I questioned it, Yeah. which is weird. And now you're... It's like I said, almost, and I didn't have to, about her giving me we're talking, We were talking before about the Barbara Streisand effect, which mm. you hadn't heard of. No. What is that? The Barbara Streisand effect. So what happened was, in 1990-late something, Barbara Streisand house, a picture of Barbara Streisand's house was put on the internet. Right. So she then she did what she'd always done, for a, you know, privacy, and she sort of threatened everybody with various lawsuits and things like that. But because it's on the internet and out there, uh, the people who first posted it said, oh, fair enough, we want, don't want to go to jail, and Barbara Streisand's probably got enough money to to send us to jail. If this is how it went, by the way, I'm paraphrasing. But it's something like this. But it was already out there. And then the more it was reported that she didn't want anyone to look at these photos, because it's on the internet, of course, then, you know, a thousand X more people looked at these photographs. It's called the Barbara Streisand effect. And the thing about... How does that relate to what we've been talking about? I'll tell you why. Because the the speeches... The speeches are at the BAFTAs yeah. that were cut by the BBC have now been reported as being cut, and so more people have probably watched them that would be watching TV on Sunday night. So the people who made the speeches have done their job in making the speech and getting their point across. And the thing is, the bit you weren't worried about, none right. of us cared about, until you highlighted it in your own radio version of the Barbara Streisand effect. I see. And that's where I was getting to. I see. So now more people have taken note of the fact that my stories are hilarious. Well, no, they'll be now checking to make sure they are hilarious that's before fine. writing to HarperCollins. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, complaining. Yeah. yeah. Three hilarious short stories. Yeah. That's that. I'm going with it. I'm, I think Barbara. I'm there. I was there already. <laughs> I, was, I was on board. I was on the top deck of the bus. We were talking today about the fact that Vassos's son, who's 17, right. Matthew, wants to be on Taskmaster. Okay. 
But he, we've only just had the... He's been banging on about this for a couple of years, but I said, it's time, Bassos, that we tell your son that he needs to be a comedian to get on Taskmaster. So the yeah. first thing he's done, he's become a comedian. You do have to do that. As far as I have never had not a comedian <laughs> on it. Well, the specials or, they do. But... Do, they, do they? Okay. But, I mean, you do have to be a comedian, although... Yes. There's no reason why they couldn't do one with not comedians. In fact, yeah. it could be really funny to but have very serious real, people doing fun, it, yeah. wouldn't that, it? That would Although be, that's that would not be your hilarious. son either, but it would be funny. That could be a special. Yeah. yeah. The, the So Not Comedians version of Taskmaster. Yeah. But this got us back to um, open mic nights and, you know, being funny in the first place and, you know, fearing the, the sort of... the the, the the wisdom of the crowd, as it were, or the acceptance mm. of the crowd. But I was explaining that on open mic nights, you know, in pubs on a Monday night, most of it isn't funny and the crowd know that and so that's OK and that's where you begin to learn to be funny. Yeah. Tell us like, your... Well, the key thing about, uh, like, being a comedian who then gets somewhere mm. is that you notice something straight away. Mm. So when, especially in this country, it's a bit different when I've done stand-up in America. Yes. But in this country, which is very British, is that you go on stage and you're not known and there's a real sense of make us laugh. Come on, then, you're probably not funny, yeah. are you? And you have to get over that. And it's very intimidating, I have to say. Once you get well known, it's a real difference. People are coming to see you. Yes, yeah, so they're and invested in coming, it. Yeah, and when they're coming to you, you have to be quite bad yeah. to get that sense of like, oh, whatever. Because they st- that's no longer the default. Well, because they have the, confirmation bias. They have confirmation bias. They've paid for the tickets. Yeah. But at a they club, don't want to be wrong with they their vote. But a club night, and the other bad place is if anyone's ever done a corporate gig. So that could be bad even when you're well known. So if you've done a corporate gig, all right, and the people there, the bankers, whoever, this has happened to me, and I can't tell this story because it involves a lot of swearing, but you can imagine. I have done gigs where I've turned up and they're, they're a bit drunk and they're a bit annoyed and you could hear them say, thinking to themselves, as soon as I came on, couldn't they afford never Frank Skinner? Basically, you know, yeah. never liked him. And every comedian's felt this. And then you have to really fight to get it. And sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you just think, right, this is a wash. I just have to basically get through this. Actually, sometimes it can be fun. I did a gig in Australia once, a corporate, and it was the most drunk gig I've ever had. It was this drunk because, <laughs> can I say this? It was been organised by Fosters, right? Yeah. And they had based on a thing whereby you collected beer labels, you sent them off to them, 200 beer labels you had to get, and if you went into a draw, you then got a holiday in Australia. So yes. these are already very drunk people. Yes. I was the entertainment at the end of their holiday. Can you imagine? How drunk they got drunk was. to win the competition. They got drunk to win the competition. They just carried on. Then they went to Australia, not a non-drinking place. Then they had a party <laughs> at the end and in you... Sydney, and then I came on. And you and, were the croc yeah. of gold. I'll tell you what it was. Or the croc of something. It was, it was less like comedy and more like close-up crowd control. Because <laughs> I, I ended up going around each table Brilliant. and just trying to deal with each one. But actually, that was a real laugh. That wasn't that wasn't a bad corporate. I Good had for a, a you. Nice time. Fun, fun, fun. So um, we touched on this last time you came in, but I can't ever stop thinking about this. About you know because there are big comedy tours on at the moment. There are, there are more being announced. And every time you hear a podcast, somebody's in the middle of one. It's all amazing. Joe Rogan's just relocated to Texas. He's taken the whole of the comedy store with him. And right. all the people who used to work there now work for him. And he's got this new, this new sort of comedy magnet around Texas and it's uh, Austin. It sounds so exciting. You, when you and Rob Newman announced those first arena tours at Wembley, mm. th- those arena gigs at Wembley... Well, we did tour. We toured arenas I know as well. You, yeah. I know you toured, but when you first announced the fact you were going to do comedy in a 10,000-seater venue, yeah. we were like, what the heck? Yeah. Can you just take us through the decision tree there, the process, you know, when you thought about that, why you thought about that, the risk that came with that, the fact that you were so punk at the time. Were you fearless? Were you fearful? More, please. Okay. So, 
the year before, yes. we, me and Rob Newman, had done Hammersmith Odin, as it was then, now the Eventum Apollo, which, by the way, sounds much less rock and roll. Uh, we'd done the Hammersmith Odin nine times in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that had been brilliant, but I think there was a feeling of, like, how can we take this a bit further? And no one had done an arena gig, and everyone had been going In the on. world? No, no, I think in America they had. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think, yeah, pe- people in America, I think, had. I'm not sure, like but Steve maybe. Martin had, I think, and yeah. maybe some of those Andrew Dice Clay and people like that. Right. But no one in Britain has, uh, and still in Britain, I think, until, like, essentially Newman and Bill and a few other people appeared, I think comedy was seen as a sort of, uh, you know, mainly political, quite serious, in a way, thing. It didn't have the... I'm going to say sexiness. Can you believe it? At my age, I'm going to say sort of sexiness of maybe other art forms, and that was the comedy as the new rock and roll thing, right? Yeah. So to become that archetype, I guess. What do you do if you're if you're a rock and roll band? You know, you go from playing small venues to playing arenas. So I guess the idea was let's try it. And I'll be honest with you, that gig which I've got somewhere, got the video of, possibly on VHS. <laughs> I don't think it was our best comedy gig, right? because it was massive, it was in the round, which was kind of a weird idea, and it was just like the feeling of it was too intense for just laughter, right? But as an event, it was totally amazing. It just felt So that's the difference amazing. then. It became an event. Yeah, it's more of an event that's, that's than like the a, answer then, isn't than it? a theatre show. That's like, the answer. It's not like just a theatre thing that's where it. you go and see something and you enjoy it and you're like, it felt like this is a thing. You know, this is, yeah, an event, a happening. What did you think straight after the gig? Uh, I was really pleased it was over because it was very terrifying. Uh, I also thought, which is a separate point, that's it for me and Rob Newman, uh, which it was. We never worked together again. Uh, and that was good. There was also a slight problem. <laughs> no, right. no, that was good. Well, no, it was good because we at that point our relationship <laughs> yeah. was falling apart. <laughs> right. right. And the other thing was that uh, I also had uh, I was uh, had a new uh, woman in my life, uh, and she was great. But the, my ex girlfriend turned up to the gig, and so I had to deal with that because that was complicated as well. Yeah. So when these, you say these the are, gig, these are very specific points to I me. I like it. Thanks yeah. for being so candid. I really appreciate <laughs> I'm it. I'm always candid. I you wasn't hoping that. for this much, but uh, <laughs> you're over delivering yeah, here. I, you know this it's about so me. It's so cool. I'm over honest. I can't help myself. And, of course, the team, most of the team, not in here, but in the control room and outside in the office, they don't even know you did all that stuff. Because no, it was they're too before young. They, they were, before they were born, all were watching comedy. Yeah. So half the team weren't born when you did that gig. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. And no, um, I, I did it. Someone took a profile of me for the New Statesman, right? right? And they came to interview me, and they are 24, this journalist. And they're talking to me about stuff I did in the late 80s, early 90s. And I'm thinking, You're, you weren't born. So this is really weird because I it's I just have to try and convey it to you. You don't have any sense of the experience of that. No, it's weird. It's weird. But we were talking about this before we came on air. We are quite old. How old are you? I can't remember. Fifty-seven. Right, I'm fifty-eight. I'm be fifty-nine in two weeks. That's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. And we were, and I was nearly late today because the traffic was bad. <laughs> and we discussed why didn't you come by tube? And I said, well, it'd be really packed, and I can't sit down. And Chris said, someone would give up their seat for you, <laughs> and it's happened to you. Apparently. Happened to me two weeks ago. Yeah. It's like it's my version of my wife being ID'd for alcohol, which also happened two weeks ago. Oh, uh, really? But that's a really sunny story, and mine is a sort of. Mine's a sort of uh, wooden porch, rocking chair, alfalfa, white picket fence story. Isn't it the most double-edged thing in the world? Because I am old, so therefore I do think I'd like to sit down. At the same time, if someone looks at me and thinks, oh dear, I better offer up my seat for that guy, that is not so good. Yeah, but do you know what's great at our age? Because you've got to to focus on the positive here, right? We can do the double seat give up. 
Double seat, give up. Yeah, so somebody offers us their seat yeah. because we are older yeah. and we look old, Yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, than they do. Than they do, And also, yeah. to them, we look really old, Yeah. right? No, so if, it, if it's a 20-year-old offering yeah, a seat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With ha- you know, anything with big hair, any, yeah. any species with big hair. Yeah. Then, but then we sit in it, yeah. and because we're not yet 60... Somebody else gets on. We do the double. We oh. then say, ex- in a very loud, excuse me, would you like a seat? <laughs> yeah. In as much as, uh, yes, okay, we get that. But there is a, there is a. There's there also is... the pregnant woman yes. option. Oh, well, yeah. you've got to be careful there. Yes, that's true. That has You'll happened to me. You'll be very careful. That there. has happened to me. I once said congratulations to a woman, and she said for what? And that is very, very bad situation. So what did you say with your no, with I, your because... razor? No, because I'm incredibly honest. I said, I'm sorry, I thought you were pregnant. But actually, what could I have said? Oh, I just heard you won the lottery. Like, you can't. There is nowhere to go with you, congratulations. That would have been funny. And she said, no, oh, it must be somebody else. <laughs> Either way, yes. Check you, your ticket. You can, you can if you want, uh, show that you're a really good person. Yes. If you're old, uh-huh. you're, see, I never thought about this. You give it your seat, you're sitting down, you're, you're taking a seat that's been given up, and then you give it out for someone else. That is very, very nice d- of d- you. Double give up. Yeah, double, double seat give up. Right, you're great. I love you. I love you. Too. You're always welcome back. It doesn't matter how many shows you've gone before you come on ours. It's fine. <laughs> Thank <All right>. you. <laughs> I've given you this book, by the way. I mentioned it at the God Desire. It's my other book, and I want you to read it because I think I it will speak to I'm you. I'm going to read it. And what I was going to say off the air, because now we're over time, because oh, you're sorry. banging on still. Sorry. Right, is, yeah, you I'm still gonna, I was going to read it. If you want to come back and talk about it, come. But now I'm going to rescind that because you've now made us run into Eddie Temple Morris' oh, show. I'm we sorry. do it far too often. So you can stick your God Desire where the sun don't shine. <laughs> uh, no, I will read it. Bob Streisand effect. Okay, yeah, good. David Deal, The God Desire. Also, um, lighter reading, I think. I don't know. I've not read the, the second book. Only Children, three hilarious. Three, no, really, like, like flipping hilarious. <laughs> like, jaw-achingly jaw hilarious stories by David Bedeal. <laughs> no pressure. You. No pressure. Thank you. Thank you very much. Goodbye. It's a, it's a joy. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Thank you, Vassos. Thank See you tomorrow, 6.30. Don't be late. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.